Seven-time world champ, never to be equaled six in a row. Titles from uh, 98 to 2003, then another in 2006. Hall of Famer, Order of Australia, Chairperson of Surfing Australia, World Masters Champion, winner of 29 CTs, goat, goat, more goat, the Swillian <laughs> Queen, all-time legend, Lane Beachley. Welcome back to the show. <laughs> Thanks, Blakey. It's great to be back. <laughs> oh, I love you so much. I'm uh, so stoked to have you back on. Jeez, we had a good time in Manly. That was awesome. Oh, that was fun. There was a lot of shenanigans going on that day. It was. It was so yeah. fun to celebrate your uh, your birthday. And um, mm. yeah, great to have you back on. But let's get into it. Thanks. We're on the uh, doorstep of another world title showdown, the second time with the new uh, single day surf off format. Before we get into it, I just wanted to know how many of your world titles were won on the final day of competition? I've never been asked that question, and that's a really good one. Uh, I'd have to go backwards. <laughs> number seven, um, number six, number five, number four. All one on the last day. Three and number two. Actually, only the first one was one. The first one I won about four months before the last event, mm. um, and then the last, the rest of them were all won on the last day. Wow, that's crazy! The amount of pressure going into those, uh, you know, last events of the year with everything on the line. Yeah, and you know what? Especially I think about world titles four and five. I lost before the last day. Wow! So, so you're I, you're waiting for things to to play out yes. in your favour. Exactly. Oh, no athlete likes to win like that. No one. No, no. And I certainly didn't enjoy that. No. But I learned a lot from it. All right. Um, second part to that question, Lane. Mm. Have you ever lost one on the last day? Have you ever had that feeling of, of uh, putting it all out there only to have it ripped from your grasp a la Kelly Slater, Andy Irons, 2003? No, nothing as dramatic as that. Wow. So... Sally Fitz, we had her on the show the other day and she was saying that some athletes get to that moment and their story yep. and their narrative is to lift and to find a way to win no matter what when they're confronted with that. Mm. And other surfers, um, their narrative is to not, well, to put it all in, but to almost like rely on hope. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not a strategy. It's not, is it? No. No. But I mean, I found that to be um, pretty telling and a, a little bit heartbreaking, really. Such a, an honest moment oh, from Sal. But... Sal, my gosh, we all wanted to see the op the optimal bridesmaid get through. And <laughs> I know, I know, radical. Oh, oh that's that's so amazing good. that um that you never lost one on the final day. Gosh, well, you are a, I... you're <sighs> just an icy veined. God, a bitch. Ice queen. <laughs> I won. No, I came second twice in the world. That was 95 and 97. But I don't recall being in the title race uh, in a, you know, in a real commanding position. It was, there was a lot of hope and then there was a lot of things having to go my way for mm. it to happen. And, um, but you know me, once I got to the lead, I like to lead from the front. Mm. So, 
yeah, I, I don't recall ever having something as epic as that that world title showdown between Kelly and Andy. Certainly, no one walked up to me on the beach and told me they loved me before I paddled out. <laughs> oh, oh, no way, no way. I was actually going to say, you know, um, your ruthless sort of competitiveness was was really yes. like torn down by your peers uh, right through your career, and a lot of criticism came your way from the women who were also your travelling buddies and your friends. Uh, yeah, in that you really just put that winning first above all else. Uh, yes. I think you described it as being hugged with one arm and stabbed in the back as the other when we were in yes. Manly. Yes. But you never, you never changed and you never tried to hide that aspect of your personality or game plan. Uh, if anything, no. you kind of amplified it, which drove them yeah. nuts. So It sure did. Yeah, it really annoyed them. Yeah, <laughs> I find that uh, amazing. Like how did you persevere with that even though you knew it was costing you sort of, you know, a genuine bond with, with – these people who were, you know, as as much as your adversaries, they were your, your friends. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of great lessons, in, and when I reflect on those moments, the first thing that comes to mind is I learned a lot from growing up in Manly and having what I refer to as either my dream team or my dream thieves. And I, I saw a lot of my competition were actually my dream thieves. You know, they were very quick to criticise. They loved seeing me lose. And uh, they really didn't enjoy seeing me win, especially for as long as I did. You know, I, I held quite a dominant position for quite a long time. And 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 so they were quick to blame and criticise and judge me. And so I kind of stepped back and I took a snapshot and I looked at how many of you are actually going to be what I refer to as a dream team member of mine when I finish this pro tour life. Mm. This is just a component of my life. It's not all my life. So I had this long-term vision. I thought, you know what, the way in which you're all behaving, I don't think any of you are really going to be that valuable to me as far as a friendship is concerned. So I made a choice right then and went, well, look, if you're not going to support me now, then you're not going to support me ever. Wow. What, 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 like how old were you when, when this was going down? How, how Uh, far into the journey was it? Well, it's my second world title. So I was 27. Wow. Wow, yeah. wow, wow. That is so amazing that you just sort of knuckled down and went, nah, it's it's just gonna be war from here out. If you're yeah. not if you're not with me, you're against me kind of thing. Exactly. If you're not with me, get the fuck out of my way. Ooh. Yeah. Which see. is why I was as coined as having that compassion of a tiger shark, right? Mm. I was just so ferocious and just on this trajectory of of winning, not even aware of the, of how much of my, as we've spoken to in the last podcast, how much of my self worth was wrapped up in that. But that yeah. was just a choice that I made. I just chose that, and then then I um, either travelled with Ken or I travelled with my PA Brooke Farris, or yeah. you know I always brought someone with me who was my dream team member. Who so no matter what's going on out in the water, when I come in, I've got someone who I know has my back and not not willing to stab it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess that's uh, the difference between, you know, having a good engine room that's humming and, and uh, an engine room that's affected by outside influences that, you know, may not necessarily have your best interests at heart. Indeed. Um, look, as a seven-time world champ, uh, you are probably, alongside Kelly, the only person who knows the uh, or has some inclination of what Steph Gilmore's mindset is going to be going into these finals. And, I mean... That's what I'm the most interested in talking to you about today is Steph. Um, main reason being is, you know, she's 34. She's been on tour for 15 years. Uh, and that's 15 years since her first world title. Yeah. Uh, her last world title was four years ago, 2018. Wow. So she'll wow. be entering this event as an underdog, which is unusual mm. for her. But um, mm. 
you know, when you were, uh, the difference between, I think, your first world title and your last world title is about eight years. Is that about right? Yeah. So, 98 to 2006? Yep, yeah, because I was 34 when I lost. I when I won my last world title. That's right. So, so you said during the Manly Show that your the, the the world titles that you reflect on the most fondly, the ones you enjoyed the most, was your first and your last. And Correct. obviously, there's a lot of growth in there, mm. uh, particularly between the first and the last, because you went a few years where you didn't win it, uh, as you said, because yeah. you got six in a row and then you had a, a, a little break there. So what <laughs> the is, breakdown? Yeah. <laughs> Breakdown, sorry, that's right. But what, no, it was both, both a break and a breakdown. <laughs> yeah. So I yeah. wonder, you know, having been in this position that Steph's in, um, what sort of mental hurdles will she be facing going into this finals day? Self doubt, judgment, um, self criticism. You know what fascinates me about Steph, and I actually text her uh, after she. She qualified for the finals, and I basically said, "You were, you are exactly where you deserve to be. You know, the the finals are where you need to be. I mean, mm. you're a seven times all surfing champion, and and you've definitely got another one in you. So, get out of your own way and get the job done. Because um, I feel that sometimes Steph has this belief that she's holding women's surfing back in some regard. Because wow, maybe, what gives you that yeah, idea? Well, she doesn't have the air game of Carissa and she never really backs her backhand. You know, little things like that can become – mohills can become mountains when it comes to backing yourself and believing in yourself enough to become the best in the world at something. And if you've got these niggling little self-sabotaging messages going on in the back of your mind, then that can be all it takes to unravel you in the moments when you need to step up. It's, it just doesn't seem like something that you associate with a seven-time world champion, like tiny what? little bits of head noise that start, you know, they start mm. off as a tiny little um, sort of scratch in the veneer and all of a sudden it's starting to crater out without you yeah. even noticing. Yeah, exactly. And even when you notice it, it, maybe the narrative has been going on for so long that you don't even start to even, I don't know, connect with it. And so it just becomes like this radio station that's just humming along in the background and you just never change the channel. I feel like Steph last year, this is just based on make or break and, and a lot of the sort of candid interviews that, that she gave in that and some of the behind the scenes footage, mm-hmm. she was really feeling like she was from another generation. She felt like, you know, the youthful, <laughs> uh, the youth was coming up and snapping at her heels. They were hungrier. They were a now bit more vicious. Now she knows how it feels. Yeah, exactly. But I, I thought this year with um, maybe, I don't know, things like having Tom Whitaker there and uh, mm. a better support network, she looked a lot more aware of her place and, and it felt like she was much more confident and surfing with more purpose. Did mm. you pick up on any of that during this year? Did you see sort of yeah. like an improved um, sense of, of belonging? Yeah, she is the matriarch and she needs to own that position. You know, she is the queen uh, and, you know, she's often referred to as the goat and that's that with it comes a lot of expectation and pressure as well. But Ash Barty is the perfect example of recognising that the only expectations are the ones we place on ourselves and I know Steph spends a bit of time with her so maybe they can draw on some some knowledge and wisdom and share that with each other. But it was good to see Steph back in the winner's circle in El Salvador. It was good to see her bounce back from missing pipe and um, and being injured and just being able to continue persevering. And, and like you said, having Tom, having that dream team member in your, in your team 
is is really helpful because um, sometimes you can be sitting there in the water and feel really lonely. Mm. And uh, knowing that when you turn back on the beach and there's someone there cheering you on, it gives you maybe that little bit of extra spark or spice in your step. And, yeah, it was good to see Steph really own that position because um, I really believe that the only person that's stopping her is herself. Mm. Mm, that's so, so true. I, I feel like... When champions, you know, champions who are, you know, your Federer's, your uh, Serena Williams, you know, the, the, the people, uh, yourself, when, when you get to that last day and you're mm. there and you're in with a chance, and, and this is a little bit different from last year because it was a new format, it was a shortened year, there was sort of a lot, it was almost like everyone had to relearn how to surf again. But this year, <laughs> she's there, yeah. and it, I just get the sense that, you know, she might be able to tap into that championship winning mindset that separates her from everyone other than yourself. Uh, yeah. is, is that a fair call? Like like you just yeah. mentioned before, you, you'd never had one lost on that final day of competition. And this is like from an age where your first world title, you're hungry for it. Your last world title, it's coming from a different place in your soul. But mm. the championship mindset that you've got to tap is something about it has got to be the same that all these, you know, True. greats share. Have, have you been able to even pinpoint what that might be, uh, you know, having had the opportunity to rub shoulders with all these absolute yeah. greats of their respective sports all over the world over the years? Yeah, so many things come to mind. You know, I feel like what's really unusual and what's also the great opportunity, it's very rarely can you come from fourth or fifth in the world to win a world title on the last day. Mm. It's very you don't normally get that kind of opportunity. So normally if you're, you know, behind the eight ball, you're fighting for second or third, whereas anyone in that top five, if they channel that that mindset that's required for them to win, then the opportunity is there for them for the taking. So with Steph, for example, it's a matter of her relying on everything that she already knows. She is the most achieved surfer in that lineup. Mm. She has the most amount of experience, knowledge, wisdom, support. She can draw on those other seven to to help articulate and define and refine her approach to this final day. So one of the things that I always did, especially when it came to the final day, was I literally would approach the day with a clean slate. Everything that's happened this week, this year has got me to this moment. But today I have to start all over again. I'm not coming into this as a defending champion or as uh, an athlete with all the expectation on my shoulders. I'm coming in with the sole purpose to perform my best and ultimately be standing with the world title trophy in my hand at the end of the day. What do I need to do? What process do I need to follow to ensure that I achieve that outcome? The outcome's very clear. Stop resting on your laurels. Stop worrying about what happened last week, last year, last 10 years, and just focus on what's in front of you right here, right now for this day. And that's something that you took into finals days from day dot to right through to your last world title? Yeah. And the days or the world titles that I almost lost, such as four and five, for example, were when I got in my own head and mm. I got in my own way. I started questioning, doubting, uh, judging, criticizing, sabotaging. And uh, the minute that that um, that self-doubt creeped in, it literally unraveled me. And it was interesting watching Steph in the finals last year. You know, there's a little bit of bump on the face. Some of the lefts were better than the rights. It just looked like Steph eventually was never in it. Mm. Whereas I'm sure she could reflect on that and learn a lot from it and uh, and apply those lessons to getting the best out of herself this time around. Yeah. What about 
the differences in preparation. So that's something that you, you carried through that was quite similar and, and a really healthy mindset to take into a final day of competition, you know, drop the baggage, just focus on the moment. Yeah. Uh, mm. But what about the difference between in the preparation from your first to your last? So mm. I know, you know, if, if they're the two world titles that, that you hold dear um, mm. because of the joy, but surely you're just physical uh, preparation must have changed. Like you, you hear it with oh. all sorts of athletes, you know, it's not necessarily yeah. like time in the gym that you put in when no. you're younger is going to work for you when you're a bit older. You, you got to let your body rest. You've got to be a little bit more sort of um, intelligent about strategy uh, or using strategy over just brute strength. Uh, mm. And in saying that though, um, you know, stamina is going to be a big part of this day for Steph, but she's, <laughs> she's got to get it through. But yeah, what, what about, just first of all, let's uh, just go through the difference in your physical prep leading into, um, you know, world title number one compared to world title number seven. What did you learn about yourself physically there? Well, I, I learned that no pain, no gain is a bullshit approach. <laughs> I didn't need to flog myself to get the best out of myself. But in the first seven years of my career, I thought that was the only way I was going to mm. get to the top. Because if I ran up more sand dunes than the rest of my competition and, uh, and you know, worked harder and trained harder and flogged myself more, which gave me the mental fortitude, it certainly well, gave me the mental aptitude to be as strong as I was. And I remember Kelly coming up to me one day and said, Elaine, you're not the best surfer in the water. I'm like, yeah, thanks for that backhanded compliment. <laughs> but he did say, you do have the strongest mental aptitude. And I'm like, yeah, that's that's a result. of a that's, a, that's a huge compliment coming from Kelly. I yes. mean, he's the king of the backhanded compliment. So yeah, you'll, you'll take it wherever you can get it. I'll take it wherever I can get it. Exactly <laughs> right. So, yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, it's funny how these little things stick with you for the rest of your life, but uh, God knows how long ago that was. And um, and he was right because whenever my back was up against the ropes, I would draw down on the work that I had invested into being as good as I was and just basically saying, you know what, you don't want it as much as I do and you haven't worked as hard for it, so I'm going to I'm gonna go for it mm. um, and I'm not going to give up on it. So I, I also think about or reflect on the um, – the physical aspect of my career in regards to world title one and seven and number one, I still was training pretty hard, but I was also living on the North shore with Ken. So I had the advantage of, of being in that environment all day, every day and surfing really big waves and exploring the other reefs towing in. And so my, my fitness, um, and especially my surfing fitness was at an all time high. And I was really well prepared mentally, physically, emotionally. I had the equipment. I was wholeheartedly invested in in everything that was required for me to win. And there was no distractions in my life at the time. But as my career proceeded to evolve, my approach to my fitness and my preparation, especially around finals time, became more tactile. And as you said, I became more emotionally intelligent and also physically aware of the of the state my mental and physical body needed to be in. And because over the years I also had this, I adopted this win-at-all-cost mentality, my body was broken and I refused to accept it. So I actually had to fly a, um, a practitioner such as an acupuncturist and massage therapist with me because at, at finals time, the stress would exacerbate the inflammation that was that was in my body. Mm. And, of course, I would become, well, as you may not know, one knows this, but I became semi-paralyzed. Like it was, I had this short, very sharp, blunt, hot butter knife being wedged between my shoulder blades, which reduced my rotation of my neck to the left. It felt like I couldn't actually, you know, 
move my left arm because my left arm was numb and I had a lot of atrophy and, and I'm still dealing with the neurological pain that's associated with that neck injury that I refused to, mm. to heal properly. Um, so I knew where my weaknesses were and I found the team around me to elevate that and nurture that to the point where I could just focus on going out there and performing for 30 minutes at a time. So I was compartmentalizing my life mm. in preparation for these days. Yeah. Yeah, and relating this to sort of Steph's situation, like she's spent a lot of time in California over the last few years. I think she's been based out of uh, Malibu or something. So she's, yeah. she's going to feel right at home over there. It's not going to feel foreign that the power of the waves are going to be sort of in her, you know, field of, of experience, which, mm. which will be good. And also, yeah, on the back of, of what she did. I mean, is there anything that, that you would have, if you were uh, in her corner, uh, you know, is there any sort of tips you would have given her to help her with this preparation? So you were, you were, yeah, basically called in to act as a little bit of a, um, a guide Mental. leading into this. Yeah. Yeah. If I was given the opportunity, I would, I would help her unravel some of those negative stories that she might be subscribing to in the moment where she feels, um, you know, exhausted or tired because I know my default setting when I start to feel depleted is that the, the story becomes quite negative and it's almost like a hook to hang your excuses on. And that can easily unravel you in the moment of, of the, in the heat of the moment, I mean, especially when you're up against people like Carissa or Joanne DeFay, you know, when they're, they're so sharp and they're, um, yes, they're young and they're vibrant, but, you know, they've got the same amount of pressure on them. But I'd, I'd advise, I'd, I would get to the bottom of what these some of these stories are so she can eliminate them mm. because... I remember when I was competing for my sixth one, I asked Kelly, how do you deal with the expectation, the pressure associated with coming back year after year and winning? And he said, get okay with losing. And I thought, why would I get okay with losing? And he <laughs> said, well, if you stop worrying about what you don't want, you start focusing your attention on what you do and what you can control. So if you can just get okay with the fact that, yeah, that may happen, and when, if and when, I'll deal with that. And mm. so you just kind of let that go. It was much like, my capacity to go and ride 50-foot waves literally stemmed from my lack of fear of death. I had no fear of dying. Mm. So, therefore, I didn't try to protect or preserve. I persevered and I was passionate about doing something without the fear of something going wrong holding me back. Mm. I mean, that's powerful. <laughs> that's really yeah. powerful, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, I guess um, the, the women's – I did say to yeah, Sorry, I did no. say this, Steph. I had dinner with her many years ago up in Malibu. We're up at Soho and Soho House and because um, only someone like Steph can invite you into a place like that. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's a different tour. It's a different yeah, world it's now. it's a different world. Yeah, exactly. It's not a world I was a part of. Yeah. Um, and uh, it was just the, it was the seed that I planted <laughs> and it grew into a blossom. It did. Oh, you, yeah, they owe you a lot, those women. No, they owe me nothing. Um, <laughs> but uh, just the, just a sidebar. I uh, I remember sitting at Soho House with Steph and talking to her about you know some of these things. And I literally said to her, you know, I would love to have coached you because I reckon I could have coached you to ten world titles. Mm. And it was almost like she just laughed in my face, you know. And it's like these girls have this belief that I wouldn't be honest with them, that I wouldn't share my experience and my knowledge. But my story is not their story. I just share my story to help shortcut their story. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not telling you how to do it, but I can certainly tell you how not to do it. <laughs> um, but I, I pride myself on being an honesty barometer and our accountability partner. Like I can I can help you shortcut the struggle because I can identify things that are, that are actually affecting you that you're not even aware of. 
and I can I can help uh, yeah just eliminate them out of the out of the narrative. So you're tuning into a more positive radio station. Is this a uh, is this a call out to uh, future champions to come and knock on your door? Sure, feel free. Oh man, Give me a oh call. man, you heard it first here, Swillians. Yes, Swillians. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Swillians, of course. Men and I mean women. I'm happy to. No, hundred percent. Oh mate, that that pool of knowledge, experience, um, the benefit of of retrospect. You know, with time between yes. wrapping up retirement and looking back on on what really meant something to you and what really fulfilled your life and winning in a positive way uh, rather yes. than a way that made you sick and paralysed you is just, man, that's like fucking priceless information, I think, for the, for tomorrow's champions. Uh, yeah, like, absolutely. Because no one teaches that stuff, you know. So it's, yeah, it's, it's all very valuable. And I, I certainly wouldn't be telling someone how to do it the way I did it. Uh, it would be just drawing the best on what they have and, fine-tuning those kind of things and helping them get the best out of themselves. Yeah. Well, look, uh, I won't keep you because I know it's Father's Day and uh, you've you've (laughs) got to go keep your own. But um, I just wanted to know, you know, how do you see it playing out on the day? I mean, you've got women in there who are, you know, the goats or or future Mm. goats. You've got – You've got a couple of real fighters um, in Tatiana and Joanne, and and you've got Brisa, who's probably, in my view, going to be a little underdone uh, just because of the experience of the day and and the quality of the opposition. But, yeah, I mean, are you sort of buying into the um, emotional sweetness of Carissa? Are you sort of backing (laughs) the the brutal honesty and just, you know, outright fighting spirit of Tatiana? Or or do you see Steph getting in, in, you know, in the mud and and really going for it? I see Steph getting in the mud and going for it, but I see a couple of challenges well in her way. A couple of speed bumps, and that is – Actually, there's three. There's the fighting spirit of Tatiana. There's that um, that sweet assassin that is Carissa. Mm. And then you've got this French force in Joanne. Yeah. And uh, she, I feel, has Carissa's number based on the performances throughout the year. And I reckon Carissa will probably be challenged more by her than anybody. Um, she's got the experience from last year as well, knowing what to expect and then how to approach it. She's also got a couple of wins under her belt, which will give her the confidence to back herself and believe in herself. So I reckon the underdog is Joanne. I reckon the favorite is Carissa. Mm. I reckon the smiling assassin is Stephanie. Um, and then the raging bull is Tatiana. And then Brissa, yeah, she's beautiful. And um, I think you're, you're right. She's a little bit underdone. And, uh, but it's a, a wonderful learning opportunity for her to just to, to um, fine-tune her approach and then come back next year stronger. And just quickly, the men's. Who do you Jack see? Jack Robbo. Oh, yes. I knew you'd have your Aussie flag waving. <laughs> <laughs> come on, Robbo. I know. You've it's... got this, mate. You can do it. I mean, Felipe's going to be tough to beat in that what I refer to as the skate ramp. He's just going to be going to the air whenever he can. But uh, Jack Robbo's got the full artillery. He's He's got what it takes. So And he's yep. got the team around him. So I, I'm, my money's on Jack Robbo. Okay. Well, I've got a little fact for you here. Uh, oh, yeah? Yeah. Well, not a fact, but it's, it's sort of like a, a little bit of an epiphany or a thought that occurred to me. Uh, mm. In light of the new format, uh, yes. even if Steph gets to eight world titles, I don't think anyone can ever do six world titles in a row ever again mm-hmm. because I'll tell you why I'll tell you why I've 
this sort of occurred to me is because if you look at individual events through history, the mm. most you'll see someone winning it is a three-peat. I, I, yeah. I couldn't find a four-peat anywhere. Except um, for Gail Cooper. No, Gail Cooper's 10 bells were three, the two three-peats oh, yeah. and then indiv- a couple of doubles. Yeah, that's right. So, like, even if you're a good enough surfer to, to make the WSL final six year, years in a row, Mm. The odds that you will win it six times in a row is there's no precedent. Like Kelly mm. has won seven pipe masters, but only managed one three peat. Yeah. You just don't see it. So yeah, that right. says to me, you will stand alone as a hero, a mm. goat, an immortal. You will be an immortal lane. And I fail <laughs> to see how anyone's going to do it. And I fall to my knees at your feet. And I just say, <laughs> we're not worthy. Because <laughs> you really are the greatest, mate. You uh, that that is a feat that will stand the test of time, and I think the Wazzle have really made it hard for anyone else to uh, to get close. Mm, well, that's very kind and very generous, and I'm very grateful. And uh, look, if anyone does uh, is able to go on and win six in a row, I will fall at their feet and say, "I am not worthy." <laughs> <laughs> oh, look! Uh, have a great time watching the event, Lane. Thanks so much Thanks. for your time, and um, too, yeah, can't wait to uh, catch up again soon. Yeah, bring it on! All right. Thanks, mate. You. You. Competition surfing. Rashes. Pure Tour Nerdy